We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, Chiefs Kingdom? Welcome to this special bonus draft episode here on KC Sports Network. I am BJ Kissel. Just passing the time as I know all of you that are watching, whether you're watching us live here or whether you catch the podcast sometime over the next few hours before Thursday night's draft begins. I know we're all just just waiting our time and doing everything we can to not concentrate on what's coming later tonight. And, and I'm excited to talk with my good friend, Mr. Aaron Borgman. 12 years he spent in the NFL as an athletic trainer, seven years with the Eagles, and then five with the Kansas City Chiefs. A lot of time with Andy Reid. Aaron, I appreciate you joining us. There's the, You and I have been chatting because there's a lot of a lot of talk about players with medical concerns, and rather than everybody spinning their wheels, I'd rather just talk to an expert. You tell us all what's going on. Uh, I like the fact that you use that term expert freely. Um, that's very kind of you. Um, yeah, so there's a lot going on, right, this time of year. Um, but I want people to know, I guess, as you and I were talking, that this is the culmination. Um, that's the, your word for the day, big word. Uh, <laughs> this is the culmination of, you know, months and months and months of medical work, right? Everything that you see and the fans will see that happens over the next couple of days from a medical standpoint took, you know, hours and hours of man or man hour and woman hour work um, starting in February at the Combine, right? So mm-hmm. if you take the 300-something players that are invited to the Combine every year, what it really boils down to is you have to get as much information on those people while you can have them in the same space, right? And so, yes, it's a little bit of a cattle call show, and they get poked and prodded, and <laughs> um, they're, they're, they're there all day um, for two straight days of medical work. And it's really, really important and for my money and granted I'm very biased obviously, but that's the sole reason for the combine anymore. It used to be that you had to get a look at people that you couldn't get film on. Well, that reason's gone, right? Mm-hmm. Everything is on tape everywhere now, but this is your only real shot to have medical personnel that you trust take a look at the players that you covet the most. Right. And so, you know, as you and I were talking, it starts there. Then you get your brief look. 
And then you do follow-up work with the team medical personnel from all those player schools. They put information uh, up on a website for all the teams to gather, or you have to call them. And then they have medical rechecks in April for anybody that didn't pass at the combine or NFL teams feel like they want a second look at it. Then you have the ability to have people in for private workouts as a top 30 visit, or you have the ability to go to their pro day again to glean more medical information. And, and really all of these data checkpoints are there as fail safes for you to find out as much medical information as possible on these players that you're attempting to forecast future, right? Mm -hmm. You and I were talking about yesterday about how, you know, the past is really important. But at the NFL level, it's the team's medical personnel jobs to forecast future in order to give an informed decision to the front office. Like, hey, this guy's going to be great for you for three to five years, but his second contract's going to be rough. His knee won't mm -hmm. hold up till then. So if you like him, go ahead and take him. Just know that he's a risk kind of deal. And so those conversations happen constantly. Right. And so then every team gives every player a medical grade. Every team's a little bit different on how their grading criteria, they value things differently, but it's all pretty close, right? And so within that medical grade is going to be a risk assessment, right? If you haven't mm -hmm. had a ton of medical or orthopedic injuries in college, well, obviously that risk assessment is a lot lower. It has nothing, nothing to do with how many games you played in college or if you played through something. There's all sorts of conditions that can manifest themselves with, you know, signs and symptoms now that you can manage. But going forward, how you project that and you, uh, you know, try to risk assess what they're going to be like in the future is really one of the big keys. Right. And so I think yeah. a lot of people miss that point And the fact that, you know, we're yes, the past is very, very important. But what does that mean for the future? It's kind of a critical thinking exercise, if you know what I'm saying. Yeah, I think it's one of the most interesting parts of this entire discussion regarding, you know, the NFL draft and people like, you know, Craig, Matt and Kent, guys like uh, that create the draft guides and, and they put out, they, they watch the film and they put out their information. And, th and those guys know and, and a lot of people who create content understand there are a lot of things, whether it's the character of a player and how they are off the field. And we've talked about how hard is that? And I go back to Trey Coziel. I'll never forget Trey telling me this of how hard is a guy going on a Tuesday in the spring when it's hot out or it's not this great condition. It's not a Saturday afternoon or Saturday primetime game in the fall where two SEC teams are going at it. How much does that guy love football by how hard is that guy going? How, what are his practice habits in the off season? Well, so much of that becomes part of that conversation of, do we want to bring this guy into our building and things that a lot of us on the outside don't necessarily have that information. And so we see it with character of players, but it also comes with the medical to your point of projecting guys out and how healthy are they from your experience and not to, to put you on any kind of spot like that, but sure. just how much when you're weighing, you know, Brett's got his entire staff, a whole room full of guys with an opinion on how a guy is going to project athletically or scheme wise, whatever personality, whatever it is, how do you weigh? I know there's not a percentage on it, but I mean, with the trust that Andy Reed has in the vice president of sports performance and medicine, Rick Burkholder to come in and say like, 
this guy's not going to make it. How does that weigh compared to, you know, a scout going to Brett and being like, that guy is going to be a future all pro. Just what's the dynamic there of just guys off the board strictly because of medical on issues to your point, that can still be kind of subject subjective within your field of how long can this guy last? How much value do we put on that? Yes. Yeah, so let's, um, let's take a broad look at that, right? Let's take mm -hmm. XYZ team out of it. And, you know, it could be here at the team here in town. It could be, you know, other team anywhere. Mm -hmm. Everybody has kind of a pie chart, if you will. Right. And within that lies talent, playing ability, medical character. And that's going to be a sliding scale for everybody. Um, I think we can all point out examples where teams have let uh, things like character slide <laughs> for playing ability, um, you know, uh, and there's other teams that are, you know, zero tolerance on that. And so the same thing can be said in my old world of medical, right? Um, there's people all the time that take players of decent risk early on because they have weighed the fact that their talent for the next five to seven years is going to be worth that higher grade pick. Right. And so that's a conversation that every head athletic trainer, every team physician is having with those uh, uh, coaches and GMs and even ownership, too, because at the end of the day, ownership is involved in this to a different varying level with each team. Right. Um, mm -hmm. You know, I, I think that it's a it's a big balancing act. And like I said, I like to use the example of a sliding scale with that pie chart. Right. If you're doing your taxes and you're trying to do your budget and you add more over here and take less over here, well, then that the sizes of those pies move around. Right. And so I think that conversation has had um, a lot, a lot, a lot up until this weekend. But yeah. even still in the heat of the moment that gets weighed, you know, do are we willing to risk it or not? You know, uh, do we go with the safer guy who may not be as talented, but we know we're going to have him longer. Um, and so, you know, that's that's something where no one has the secret sauce and everybody's trying to uh, kind of dodge bullets, so to speak. And there's been very historically famous misses where players have been uh, taken off draft boards for you know medical reasons. And they go on to have very productive, even Hall of Fame careers. Right. As we were mm -hmm. speaking yesterday, those are fewer and far in between. And I think almost every medical staff hits more than they miss on those types of things. But that's essentially the job right there. We, as somebody once very famously told me, you know, our job as a medical person in the NFL was not to tell people who to draft. It was to tell people who not to draft, because <laughs> then, you know, you're, you're doing the team a service by essentially helping them project hey, this guy's going to be fine for three years, but then he's going to break down and you're not going to get your first round pick out of him kind of thing. So, you know, yeah. I, I think it's a little bit different for every team and every GM. And, you know, factor into the fact that some teams have to win now, right? Um, and that's another layer. So there's a lot there. And we talk about the due diligence that teams go in every year. I, I guess I didn't see it this year. So just about every year you see medical issues that players had no idea that they even had come out at the combine because the NFL does a really good job of digging into the player's health before they would invest into them to make sure that they are healthy and they don't have you know issues like what they find. So uh, it'll always be interesting when you compare like mock drafts and what people think is going to happen and guys just slide for, like I said, whether it's off the field character or medical concerns that just aren't necessarily promoted or put out there publicly and they shouldn't be uh, when it comes to the medical or even the background stuff but uh, it happens every time but real quick 
quick plug here for anybody who's listening to this that doesn't have a plan yet for where to watch the NFL draft this week. If you're in the Kansas City area, come out to Overland Park, 127th in Antioch. Come to the Kingdom Bar and Grill. We will be going live. All of us at KC Sports Network will be there uh, each night of the NFL draft going live. We'll have special giveaways. They've got drink specials thanks to our partners at 360 Vodka. They've got food specials at the Kingdom Bar. They've got a fried chicken sandwich. They've got an appetizer special. And we announced last night that we're also doing a benefit for the Therese, for both of uh, the scholarships in Therese Paler's name, both at Howard University and at the University of Missouri. Uh, thanks to Power Mizzou. Both of those scholarships are already endowed, but that doesn't mean that we shouldn't stop supporting and continue to pour money into those to help as many people as we can in Therese's name. So we have got three items that we are basically auctioning off. You can donate $10 to the KC Sports Network Venmo. That gives you a chance to win. We've got a Travis Kelsey jersey. We've got a Nick Bolton jersey. And then we have got a Patrick Mahomes signed mini helmet. Again, you donate $10. All of that money, it, it split 50-50 between the two different scholarships. Uh, but all of that money that comes in will be going to those scholarships. And... Um, have a chance to win something and, and do something pretty good in the process to somebody that we all miss dearly and think about a lot, especially around draft season. So something you'll continue to hear us talk about on our live streams. And if you can't make it out, uh, come to all these same live streaming channels that we're on right now, whether it's YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, Twitch, uh, we will be live streaming. Aaron, the one player, and we've already got a question about him, not even 10 seconds into, I think, starting the show right here from Nick Johnson. And that it's the big one is the Michigan edge rusher, David Ojabo. Uh, I wouldn't necessarily ask you to know all of his details or, or break him down as a player, but player that suffered an Achilles injury during his pro day and was a consensus top 10 pick, one of the top edge rushers in this class at a position that, you know, the top edge rushers are always going to go top 10. And you're looking at the Chiefs. It seems like there's a need for an edge rusher. They're always going to be picking at the end of the first round because they're pretty good. Uh, so they're going to miss out on getting talent like this in any other draft. And so the question becomes, how high do you take a player coming off an injury like that? Uh, it's going to take a while to strip this down. And I know you are an expert when it comes to rehabbing Achilles injuries. Aaron was the guy that took care of Mike DeVito, Derek Johnson, and I'm sure right back here. plenty of other. There you go. For both friend of the friend of the network. Both Mike and uh, DJ do stuff with us, so I'm excited to have that back in the fall. But uh, let's just start with just in general uh, the process of a player getting injured at a pro day. Say you're an NFL team and you're in charge. What would that process look like to reevaluate and try to establish a value for what that guy, what you'd be willing to do to bring that guy into your into your organization? Okay, so big deep breath here, first of all. <laughs> Um, anybody that follows me on social media knows that I hate pro days, um, unless you are an extremely uh, lower level player or you haven't been invited to the combine. I think it holds almost no value to you whatsoever. It can only hurt you instead of help you. Um, and we're grading guys in underwear as opposed to uh, on field play. Now, as you mentioned, this player was supposedly a very high draft pick. So that even brings it even more into the question why he was even doing a pro day. So off my soapbox. Um, first and foremost, yeah. um, the player probably had surgery very quickly, a week or two afterwards. So if his pro day was, what was it, early March, whatever it might have been, um, yeah, you know, add, so. add on, on, the, on the average now we're seeing these players anywhere from six to eight months, sometimes nine. I think the Cam Akers example is an outlier at five. Um, I think it's awesome, but I don't think it's the norm. 
And, you know, he had a goal to get back for the Super Bowl because his team was highly, you know, expected to be there. Um, I think in a younger player, uh, you obviously don't rush that process, especially if it's a person that has a very high upside. We know that with Achilles injuries, there is a retail rate on the opposite side that is higher than what we like right now. And, uh, you know, so you have to be cognizant of that. And so I think any team, you know, regardless of who's going to take him, uh, I think they would weigh all that, right? Do you take him in the first round knowing that you then have that fifth year option, right? Mm-hmm. As opposed to the second round where you're only going to have him for four, especially if you're going to sit him the entire first year, as opposed to let him play first in mid season. I don't know that, um, you know, somebody is going to want his first experience to be in a game, right? There's, there's yeah. no, there's no practice games. There's no scrimmages. There's no, at that time of the year that you'd be coming back, <laughs> you know, you're winding down practices, not ramping up in intensity, right? So that's mm-hmm. a tough time of year to come back for your first NFL experience. That's something a team is going to have to weigh. And if they do sit him for a full year, uh, do they, do they then say, well, we want him. So we have to take him in the first round. So we get that fifth year as opposed to just the four, uh, mm-hmm. then are you leveraging that when you could be filling other holes in your roster? I don't know. I'm not a GM. I'm not the one that makes these decisions, but that would be the conversation that I think most teams would be having right now. And is the player's upside worth all that? And again, that goes back to that whole sliding scale thing. Do you think, yep. do you feel versus your on-field evaluations that this player has enough potential to warrant all of that? And do you sit him? Do you play him? Um, yeah. And, and, you know, by, by the time training camp rolls around, he's going to be doing really well. Um, you know, we're, you're probably looking at a mid season return if at all, mm-hmm. if, if a team decides to play him and make no mistake, somebody's going to take him. It's just a right. matter of where. And, uh, you know, I, I think that that's one of those situations where you have to be confident, not only in the surgery that was performed. And I don't know who did his surgery. There's one doctor right now that's typically doing a lot of these in the NFL. Um, and what the surgery was performed, there's a couple of different ways to do it. And we don't get too medical on this show. Uh, but then, you know, if, if that's the case, is your rehab team in-house, you know, are they good at Achilles rehabs? Are, what's their track record with Achilles rehabs? As a front office, you have to make this judgment too, right? And so... Um, you know, I think it's just, it's, it's complex, right? And, mm-hmm. you know, what we see on the outside, obviously, is what I call the iceberg theory. You've heard me talk about that a dozen <laughs> times, you know, 20% of what's actually real versus 80% on the other side of the wall. And so, yeah. you know, there's a lot that goes into it. And it'll be interesting from a, from a medical standpoint. Now, I think it'll be interesting to see where the player goes and watch his uh, trajectory, as you and I talked about, you know, a little bit yesterday, another not identical case, but similar case was the case of Jalen Smith with the Cowboys when he mm-hmm. came out and injured his knee, you know, the team surgeon for the Cowboys did his surgery. So he was very confident and placed, you know, a lot of confidence in that repair. And so then I guess, you know, that, that translates to their ownership, right? Well, yeah. You know, do we see something similar here? I'm not sure. It's, it'll be yeah. curious to see. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. 
Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yeah. And we, again, we appreciate everybody for watching and tuning in, or you're listening after the fact to this special draft day episode uh, here on KC sports network. Again, we're with 12 year NFL athletic trainer, veteran Aaron Borgman spent seven years with the Philadelphia Eagles and five years with the Kansas city chiefs doing exactly the things that we are talking about right now. And Aaron, I also want to ask you about this because in anybody out there, if you have any questions for Aaron, please hit us up in the comment section and we'll get those to him uh, right now. And if you are watching, please go ahead and hit that like and that subscribe. Turn notifications on to make sure you don't miss any of the shows later tonight because, again, we'll be live throughout the entire NFL draft. But, Aaron, when it comes to different types of injuries, because we're talking about David Ojabo, obviously, with his Achilles injury, and you've got Jamison Williams, uh, top wide receiver prospect, going to go in the top 15, 20 in this draft depending upon who you ask, everybody's got a different opinion, but he's going to go very high in this draft. He's coming off an ACL injury. And then you've got a guy like Andrew Booth who had, you know, a core muscle injury. You have these different types of injuries. What's that? You talk about sliding scale. And I know that not all injuries are the same. And even within an ACL, not every ACL is the same, but from a broad perspective, is there a certain, are there certain injuries that concern you more than others? And when you look at those three, do you have any concern uh, when it comes to things, and this is a very you know green way of saying it from my point of view, but like an ACL, like I just kind of assume that every NFL player has had an ACL at some point in their career now, uh, I mean, because. But is it is it even a concern at that level anymore? As long as obviously the the surgery was done uh, correctly and all the rehab, but it's is it becoming commonplace that it doesn't concern you as much as maybe it did even 10, 15 years ago? Yeah. So you know. Let's let's take the player from Alabama. You know, he, we everybody yep. saw him tear his ACL in the national championship game, and you know the the surprising thing uh, that a lot of people took issue with that is he walked fine off the field and walked fine back onto the field, right? To watch the rest of the game, that's pretty common. Uh, it's a national yep. championship game. I would have let one of my players do the same thing, you know, as long as he's back from the action. So everybody's like, oh, it's not a bad ACL. Well, there's not a good or bad ACL. It's a torn ACL, right? Um, yeah. Now, what we don't know and we won't know 
is was there any associated damage uh, to any other structures, any bony or cartilaginous injury, um, any MCL or anything like that. Um, that's what everything that the NFL teams will know. But to answer yeah. your broader base question, um, that player would have gone to the combine, had multiple MRI, gone back to the rechecks, had another MRI to see if the healing of, uh, you know, his repair was doing well, to check out his mm -hmm. swelling, to ask about rehab, you know, and I've seen a couple uh, of views of his rehab on social media and things like that. And, you know, they're all period appropriate for where he's supposed to be at right mm -hmm. now. Um, you know, the, the world of NFL football has gotten really, really good at NFL or excuse me, ACL rehab, despite what everybody will tell you about Odell Beckham Jr. Um, again, that's an outlying cause. That's uh, it's a it's a common injury, right? And so, excuse mm -hmm. me, everybody, you know, who's at that level of medical care knows how to take care of that injury. And so, mm -hmm. you know, there's that. Um, it's not what it used to be, in my opinion. I think that clinicians in the NFL have gotten so good at it. Now that while we still have to respect the healing time, right? We can't mm -hmm. rush it too, too much. Not everybody's an Adrian Peterson. Uh, but, you know, I think that those things have gotten more commonplace, obviously, to your point, everybody's just had one, right? And so they not only is there more prevalence of the injury, but there's more prevalence of coming back from the injury too. So it's a little bit of a, a double-sided coin there. Uh, as far as your comment on the core muscle repair, uh, you know, those things are so common now mm -hmm. that uh, there's a factory that does that surgery in Philadelphia <laughs> and uh, people come back from that really, really well for the most part. Um, you know, uh, we see that across sports, not just football. And so, you know, if you're trying to, to rank things as far as the seriousness of injury to your previous comment, you know, one of the things that was always more red type injuries for us when we were reviewing combined medical records was looking at degenerative conditions. What does the cartilage in your knees look like? What do the discs in your back look like? For the big guys, what do your feet look like? You know, all these things that can derail bigger people, you know, all these things that can, you know, take a lot of explosiveness away from people, you know, something that's yeah. going to be a nagging injury as opposed to an isolated injury. Those are all the things that, um, you know, you're kind of go like, okay, well now we have to assess this guy a little bit differently because he does have, you know, all of this chondral defect in his knee, or he does have, you know, three discs that look terrible on MRI. Um, you know, he may not have any symptoms now, mm -hmm. but again, forecasting to the future you have to assume that none of those things are, even if at best they stay the same, they're not going to get better. And so looking down the road, you know, I don't care if an offensive lineman has started 40 or 41 games in college. What's the condition of his knees and his back and his feet? You know, what's the condition yeah. of shoulder and hip labrums look like, you know, um, if they're trashed, but he played throughout it in college. Okay, great. But that doesn't affect me now. I'm going to have to take care of him up here at this point. And so, you know, I think those are the little nuances that people kind of forget about that college matters, but it doesn't kind of thing. What's the, and I've never asked you this before and if it's sensitive, let me know, but what's the, the kind of the dynamics between the different NFL teams and searching out this information? I know when it comes to like scouts, you know, they all know each other really well, like how they feel about certain players athletically, all that kind of stuff. But when you're doing consults on you know, players and their medicals and you're going through and getting some of this information. Is this stuff that you keep to yourself or is this stuff that you meet with the players about and ex explain to them? Or is this kind of like your information that you're holding on to then make decisions based on your draft? 
Um, you know, I think to your previous point uh, about players finding out medical information about themselves, um, you know, at the combine, you know, there's been some very famous cases of life-threatening conditions where players were right. disqualified from playing, which I think obviously you don't hide any of that. And as a, yeah. as a medical practitioner of any form of medicine, you, you have a, a responsibility to inform players of what you're seeing, right? So I don't think anybody withholds yeah. information from the players themselves, as opposed to the sharing of information without the, <laughs> throughout the league. Um, this is the biggest lying season, hiding season that ever existed. <laughs> and obviously some teams are friendly with others and some teams are not. Um, and to say that that doesn't happen or that doesn't occur is wrong. Um, there are some teams that will share partial grades. They will mm -hmm. share, um, you know, player evaluations, but not medical, or they'll show medical, but not player evaluations, or some teams will share everything. Some teams will share nothing. Um, it's based a lot on the GM's relationships and the coaches relationships and the medical staff relationships. And it's a pretty complex web. I got a couple questions for you, Aaron, that are coming yeah. in here again. We've got about five more minutes left with Aaron. So if you do, if you are out there watching live and you do have questions or things you just be curious about, I'm, I'm kind of doing it right now <laughs> as we're doing the show as things pop up. But here's a question from Bert Rojas. And for anybody who's listening to the audio, the question is, uh, with you being a trainer, how, influ how influential are you when a coach like Andy Reid asks you about the injury on Jamison Williams as they are evaluating him for the draft? Well, I want to be very clear about my role in the past uh, in the draft uh, was minimal as compared to other athletic trainers and the head athletic trainer. And, uh, you know, I think that league wide, the head coach will always defer to the head athletic trainer. I was never a head athletic trainer in the National Football League. Um, you know, so I think that dynamic is a little bit different in the fact that um, every head athletic trainer or uh, vice president of sports medicine, whatever everybody's title is, there's a bunch of those out there in the league now. Um, yeah. They trust those people, right? And so if you trust that person to take care of the athletes on a daily basis, you're going to trust their evaluation uh, pretty straight up about a player coming out. And there has yeah. to be a couple things there. There has to be a candid nature. Like you have to be able to shoot people straight and you have to take accountability if it's not correct right? Because then it's your backside on the line, right? Yeah. Um, as far as that, you know, level of trust. And I think a good head coach and a good sports medicine team does that. And I think Kansas City's lucky to have that. Do you, did you have roles during like the draft of, of not necessarily guys, but even like a position group? Was it segmented to where you had a kind of a niche in case they needed some information they could kind of call on you like they do uh, my, with some of the area scouts and stuff? I'll speak to my personal role. Uh, my personal yeah. role in the draft was support only. Um, our head athletic trainer took care of all of the communication between the head coach and the front office. Um, we had one athletic trainer that was dedicated to the combine guys. We had one athletic mm -hmm. trainer that was dedicated to the non-combine guys. And that's a whole other <laughs> ball of wax about finding out information about non-combine guys. But uh, I just kind of helped out wherever anybody needed, you know, extra manpower. Uh, I didn't, I, I was always knee deep in off season rehabs at this time of year. And so that was kind of always yeah. my thing. Um, hence the rehab all-star thing. Uh, but uh, I, I'm not a combine all-star by just the imagination. I just had to be immersed in it for long enough. Um, and I think that my personal role was there to support those other guys who that was their primary jobs to kind of yeah. 
you know, this is my side of things. This is my side of things. You know, help yeah. me find this, call this school, dig up this information. And so that's kind of what my personal role in the combine was over the years. And you, you got to have that process set in place or you just yeah. have a bunch of mon- monkeys running around not knowing what's going on uh, when you don't have a lot of time. Exactly. All right. One more question we've got here from No None. Uh, are ruptured planters something that teams would avoid? Uh, I'm guessing that's a planter fascia. I'm guessing. Uh, I have no idea. Know. I don't know yeah. what any of these words. I like when you use big words because then it's just like you you speak to people who understand that stuff. I'm not one of them. Um, I'm guessing it's a plantar fascia. Uh, no, no. Plant, ruptured plantar fascias happen pretty commonly, and that's not something that people would avoid. All right. We have one more question that came about Lucas Niang's injury uh, and about how long it might take him to come back without having the detailed information. But this is from Paul DeSantis um, about Lucas Niang. It was the... Uh, the patellar tendon just in general, I, I know that it always probably depends because um, I know you're going to start questions like that, but uh, what, what is that injury and what does it look like compared to others that are more commonly known? Yeah. So a ruptured patellar tendon is just the tendon that connects your kneecap to your tibia. Right. And a, a patellar tendon and a quad tendon basically function the same. They act as a conduit to the pulley that is your kneecap, right? And kneecap mm-hmm. kind of comes up and down as your knee bends and extends. And a ruptured patellar tendon happens when that knee bends too far or the tendon has to take on too much load in uh, force production, right? So and patellar tendon is not a fun rehab to do, quite frankly, because it's very slow going because you have to be wary of the range of motion. You know, most uh, rehabs that we do, we get range of motion quick, 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 right? Uh, patellar tendon is not like that. You're only allowed so much motion per week to let that tendon kind of grow back together and kind of reform. And so the problem with those is, you, you know, that's that's a slow process to begin with. Combine mm-hmm. that with a big guy, right? And you got to really graduate the force that you're putting through that knee slowly on the way back toward full function. If you do do too much too quick, A, you have a chance for a failed surgery, or B, you have a chance for a lot of uh, nasty uh, compensatory situations up and down the leg because you're trying to make it do something that it's not ready for. And so um, it's a little bit of a slog rehab. It's not terribly exciting, Um, but uh, you know, we've seen some guys do very, very well from this. There's, you know, a litany of patellar tendon uh, reconstruction success stories. Uh, I would tell you that on the whole, by and large, I don't know anything about this particular athlete that, uh, mm-hmm. they take a little bit longer in the big guys, uh, than they do the skill guys. Um, but that's just because of the amount of force those guys produce. Um, uh, I'm not exactly sure off the top of my head when this player was hurt. Uh, you know, I, I did see some comments from the sports medicine team this week that said that there's a possibility that he could be around come camp time. I think that'd mm-hmm. be fantastic. And, you know, we, it, from a sports medicine standpoint, I actually appreciated when guys, no matter when they got hurt, but if their timeline for really ramping it up started and coincided with training camp, because that's about as much of good rehab time as anything, right? Like that's the time to kind of put them back in and get their feet wet again. And so if his timeline keeps matching up with that, that would be awesome for the player just because he's really going to benefit maximally from being able to do those full speed yet controlled practices. Right. Uh, You know, so I think, I think that's a great time period if he happens to match up with that. I know I didn't have a exact date, but I, there's no way to know that. It was late in the season. So yeah. it's definitely something that was going to affect his ability to 
if not be ready for camp, it's also, and this is a different discussion, uh, but how much do you count on a player? If you're Brett Veach and that personnel staff, how much do you put on, and this is the trust between trusting your, your trainers and, and trusting, uh, excuse me, the athletic trainers and that whole staff to say like, we're confident he can be ready. Don't worry about either bringing in a veteran who could step into play if he's not, or even using, you know, a draft pick. And so right, and you right tackles prediction now, because you might yeah. have to go grab somebody. It, it's one of those things when we're, we, you know, spend six weeks talking about the draft and we try to package the same conversations in 87 different ways uh, leading into the draft. But it's definitely been one of those nobody really wants to talk about right tackle. Andrew Wiley is back. There are guys that could step out and play there. And ideally, you have Lucas Nyang who's back. But if you're looking for an outside the box type, if they take this pick, we're all going to justify it and it's going to make sense because the first thing we're going to think is, man, Lucas Nyang might not be ready. And for a guy that came out, opted out his first year, was coming off when he got drafted, he had the hip itch issue in college. And I don't know all the details of that, but had an injury that he was dealing with, opted out, played, had up and down, flashed at times to be really good, but then had, in compared to some of these other injuries, a bad injury that takes a while to come back from. It's going to be really interesting to see if they do take an offensive lineman or a tackle higher than a lot of people are projecting. It's because we all think best case scenario, Lucas Yang will be back. They'll be fine. We might not have all the information as far as how they could, you know, project and when he could be ready. Well, and I'll add an even another layer of complexity to it for you to just, you know, blow your mind, right? The, the team knows where he's doing it. And let's take this particular player, this particular team out of it, right? If you have any injured player, a team knows where they're at and where they're going to project to be. But if you don't want to make that information public right now, because you mm -hmm. want to take somebody in a spot in the draft, that's another layer of subterfuge that happens this time of year, right? I wouldn't so do that. Oh, yeah, okay. <laughs> um, I'm, just, and so, I'm just kidding. And so, you know, like there's there's so many, you know, it's that it's that classic uh, clip that everybody uses on Twitter of Charlie Day and Always Sunny in Philadelphia trying to connect the dots of Pepe <laughs> Silvia, right? Um, you know, that's what it is right now, and it's crazy. Yeah. All right. One more question from uh, Bert Rosa. I think uh, Grayson Jasper is one of our uh, longtime subscribers that asked uh, how it affects long-term players coming back from the Patellerton. And I said, there's examples of people that have come back. That's one of those injuries. If it, it's rehab slowly, it's brought, brought along well, but a player can come back to being the same kind of athletic player um, from a, you know, power, all of that per perspective, they can get back to where they were before. Yeah, um, I'll, I'll use a personal example. Um, mm -hmm. Kind of late in my time in Philadelphia, we had a young player, a big defensive lineman, Brandon Graham, who had a ruptured mm -hmm. patellar tendon, and he's gone on to have a heck of a career um, out there in Philadelphia and, you know, rehabbed through it, did great. Um, and, you know, that's just a personal example. There's hundreds of others, yeah. obviously. Uh, but that's a bigger guy, uh, had a nice rehab, did very well with his medical staff there. Yeah, and that's a, an edge rusher who obviously right, needs to right. bend and turn and do all those things that, that knees are obviously pretty important for. Uh, Bert Rojas, uh, another question. What can players do to prevent from getting ACL in the injury? Does wearing knee braces help? Okay, so we can't prevent injury, right? We can't. Mm. Um, we can limit, we can mitigate, we can reduce. Um, we can't prevent. Uh, there is no knee brace currently on the market that can prevent you from tearing your ACL. It just can't. They can't make them strong enough. They can't make it. The, the, the force production that is required to tear an ACL cannot be limited by any brace on the market. Now, 
can they prevent the small stuff, which then may prevent the larger stuff? Sure, I'll, I'll listen to that argument. Um, mm-hmm. But I, I would I would caution everybody to really look at, you know, prophylactic knee braces in college are required by almost everybody. And those are stock yeah. off the shelf. Those aren't custom things like that. Watch on Sundays, see how many guys wear those, right? Um, and I would tell you that the rates of knee injuries are probably pretty close to the same. So my only point is uh, you get as strong as you can, get as um, you know used to being in contact as much as you can. Uh, prevention, or as we used to say in the training room, preventation uh, doesn't uh, always work like that. Uh, I wish we could prevent an injury. Uh, I, I caution people all the time to say, if someone tells you that they can prevent a certain injury, say, thank you for your time and very quickly walk the other way. Um, and you know, that's just how it is. Uh, marketing's a heck of a drug, right? Uh, mm-hmm. so, uh, you know, yeah, we try to get people strong. We try to get people, uh, able to accept load and, uh, you know, land correctly and things like that and reduce mm-hmm. that. Um, it's, I'm glad somebody asked that question. It's one of my, uh, loves to discuss. (laughs) Perfect. Well, I learned something new today and I always learn something. I always appreciate uh, when we chat, Aaron, but uh, thank you for your time and everybody out there. Thank you for listening again to this special draft day episode uh, here on outside the trenches and on KC sports network. We appreciate your support and Jordan Henry. We will see you at the kingdom bar. Come say hi. I'll get, I'll bring something for you. We have a little present and anybody uh, we appreciate that wants to come out and hang out with us tonight at the kingdom bar and grill out in Overland park. We will be there. And if not, uh, then come back to all these same channels. Uh, we will be going live at 645 tonight, uh, Central Time on YouTube, Twitch, Facebook, and Twitter. And we will have everything for you guys the entire time. Matt Lane, Craig Stout, Kent Swanson, they're all going to be in Kansas City and got a lot of cool stuff planned. So, Aaron, always appreciate it, man. Always appreciate learning something from you. And everybody, we will see you guys tonight. It's almost here. The 2022 NFL Draft is just a few hours away. We appreciate it. We'll see you next time. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.